0: You are listening to Behind the Mask with Diva with Depression. Welcome to Behind the Mask with Diva with Depression. Thank you for joining me today. Today we're going to follow up on my generational trauma episode. I received so much feedback from that episode and that we wanted to take it one step further and talk about where do we go now? What the hell do we do now that we know what generational trauma is? What do we do now that we know how we have been carrying generational trauma forward ourselves? What do we do now that we have all of this information? Where do we go? So for everyone that has not had a chance to listen to their generational trauma episode, I'm going to give you the meaning of generational trauma. Generational trauma is a traumatic event that began decades prior to the current generation and has impacted the way that individuals understand, cope with, and heal from trauma. It makes therapists wonder. How can we break this cycle in a family? And that's something that we all wonder too. I mean, we all know that there are illnesses, there are patterns, there are there are just ways. Um, some people call them superstitions. Um, I was reading something the other day where somebody was talking about sweeping your feet. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to sweep your feet. And the person said they don't even know whether it's true or not, but they still do it because grandma did it, great grandma did it, you know, and so on and so forth. And these are things that we passed down that were passed down to us from our ancestors. And, you know, sometimes we know why we do it. You know, I'm sure that there is a story. I'm sure that there's a history, but that doesn't always make it the right thing to do it doesn't always make it the right thing that we want to carry forward so when i decided to do the generational trauma episode i was coming from a mental illness standpoint because until i was severely ill i did not know that there was a history of mental illness in my family um specifically my mom's side i'm not too sure about my father's side and so I decided that I wanted to talk about that because you know not is it not only mental illness but physical illness um, you know simple things there's some it could be a simple thing like why is there a mold on my left cheek you know well great-grandma had a mold on her left cheek and so did her grandpa you know something like that or it could be as severe as a mental illness or diabetes or heart condition, or, you know, as one of my friends said, you know, uh, a severe thyroid condition that they didn't know existed until they got sick. And we have to stop doing that. We can't leave our babies, you know, blowing in the wind, trying to figure out where things came from. And so that's why One of the things that I try to do with my kids is to make sure that they understood that there was a history of mental illness in the family and that that's what mommy was struggling with and that here are some of the signs and I don't always get at well I didn't before when they were younger get as specific as I needed to be now that they're older I am a little bit more open about the specifics but Just to let them know that, you know, if you're feeling this way, it doesn't always mean that, you know, there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're the bad apple in the family. This is something that has history, that has wings, that has grown. Listen to this great quote that I found. It's by someone named Terry Reel. Family dysfunction rolls down from generation to generation like a fire in the woods, taking down everything in its path until one person in one generation has the courage to turn and face the flames. That person brings peace to their ancestors and spares the children that follow. Now, like I said, I'm nobody's savior. (laughs) You know, I'm nobody's, uh, you know, curse breaker or anything like that, I started speaking out just because of, um, the lack of awareness in the black community. Um, and so that's what made me start sharing my story. I didn't go into this as someone that was, uh, you know, trying to break generational chains until that was something that was pointed out to me. And I said, Hey, that makes sense. So what I did, I have people that um, I love in my life and that I trust with my life and uh, some of my crazy secrets. (laughs) And after um, one of them listened to the recording about generational trauma, they said, hey, why don't you talk about what do we do now? How about what the hell do we do now? So I asked two people that are very special to me, what they thought that we should do now and so they gave me their input into what we should do going forward to try to help our generation and the next generation and the next generation be more open and honest about some of these toxic secrets that we are living with in our families. So number one, forgiveness, not amnesia. Now I'm gonna tell you guys that forgiveness is something that I must work on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I am slow to forgive people that have hurt me tremendously. I just, I want accountability. I want someone to let me know why they did what they did and at least give me the benefit of saying sorry. So I agree with this, you know, I know that forgiveness is a huge part of healing. I know that forgiveness is a huge part of helping people that are living with mental illnesses feel better because if you can forgive and let that go, you're helping yourself. You know, you're, you're you're giving yourself space to invite some fresh air in. And so forgiveness is a big thing. And I, I know that I'm not alone when it comes to forgiveness. I know that a lot of us hold grudges. I know that grudges flow from generation to generation. You know, um, how about, you know, Great aunt so-and-so didn't like great uncle so-and-so. And then great aunt so-and-so's children and great uncle so-and-so's children carry that forward and forward and forward. And so now you have this new generation of people who don't like each other, but they don't know why they don't like each other, <laughs> you know? So um, let's, let's work on forgiveness and, and see where that takes us. The next thing that they mention is building a new legacy in the form of family meetings interge- intergenerational open dialogue hmm well listen i don't know about y'all but my family get them together sometimes is just a handful <laughs> um And you know, like I just said before, as far as forgiveness is concerned, we still have um, a lot of crap rolling down from family to family, um, downwards and outwards, you know. And for example, I'm very open with my baby cousins, but that doesn't mean that I'm open with everyone in my family, or that there's no, because I don't have conflict with the babies, I still have conflict with others. And so that stops me from interacting with the whole family. I will not go to certain events because I don't want to be forced to interact with people that I am not comfortable with, um, or I have issues with. And so, yes, on one hand that is protecting me, but on the other hand, it stops us from discussing some of these pains that we're holding on to. If we sat down with our family members that we do have a problem with and start to openly talk about some of the things that we're holding on to, maybe that would be the first step in healing some of the generational pain. We're a lot of us are carrying stuff that doesn't belong to us. I read that somewhere too. And you know, the the pain and the hate that my mom has for someone shouldn't be the pain and the hate that I should carry for that same person because we know them differently. And as parents, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't subject that, our children to that. So having open dialogues about what's really going on, about what we're really holding on to is an awesome way to start to heal and when we get rid of some of these pains and some of these hurts and start healing and speaking to each other again and loving each other again that goes forward and creates strength you know it creates power it gives us it gives us the opportunity to become a force to be reckoned with. Um, I read, I I saved something on Pinterest and it says, as you focus on clearing your generational trauma, do not forget to claim your generational strengths. Your ancestors gave you more than just wounds. And that is so true. They gave us so much. You know how would i know how to make that fantastic pound cake or you know how would another family member know how to you know plant wonderful garden a wonderful garden you know there are numerous accomplishments accomplishments that our ancestors passed down to us And it's time that we start embracing some of those also. Access to mental health services with counselors who are people of color. That, this is the second person that gave me some feedback on what the hell do we do now. I will tell you as a mental health advocate, as a mental health, and mental illness research person as someone who talks to people that are living with these pains and as a caregiver and as patients. I talk to people every single day. And that is one of the biggest problems that we have in the mental health community. We do not have enough psychiatrists and therapists that are people of color and that makes it difficult for us to open up and share our pain because we fear not being understood. We fear being ridiculed. We fear being judged. And so there are so many of us in communities of color that are just stuffing down the pain because they can't find anybody to help them. They can't find anybody to heal them. Because we don't have our own listening to us. And so you go into a therapy situation with someone who does not know anything about your culture, your background, the generational trauma that you're carrying, and they have no idea how to heal you. They know how to put a Band-Aid on you. They know how to suggest... A pill to make you feel better for the moment, but they do not know how to get down to the nitty gritty of the generational pain that you're carrying. So we have to do better as a people. I don't know if that's, you know, finding a way to graduate more people of color in from medical school in a psychology field i don't know if we need to sort of partner with professional people and bringing a non-professional aspect to it and what i mean by that is if you have people that are willing to share willing to mentor willing to partner with people that are emotionally struggling. You know, you don't need a degree to be helpful. And so maybe that's something that we can highlight going forward. I know my daughter suggested that I go back to school and become a psychologist. And I told her, hell no. Um, (laughs) I'm too old for the studying. My brain doesn't work. I would not be able to retain the information. But I like being a mentor. I like being a mental health advocate. I like sharing here and on social media. And so if I can continue to help that way on a grander scale, that's something that I would do. And I know that there are loads of people out there that are trying to get their voices heard about what we're dealing with in communities of color. And so maybe that's another road that we should start working on in the future don't be bound by traditions sometimes what's best for someone is to leave certain traditions to the generation before oof that's a mouthful you know it's sort of like the the story that I just told you about sweeping the feet <laughs> you know um, the next generation doesn't have to believe in that superstition. You know, so let's just leave that with Aunt Martha, you know, (laughs) and the ancestors. Maybe, um, you know, like a lot of us have been letting go of the pork or the red meat, um, becoming vegetarians, becoming vegan, because the diets that we have had, historically, are just not working anymore. And, you know, we are not in a place where we grow our own food anymore. So we don't know what we're buying at the supermarket. And we don't know what we're putting into our bodies. So we have to be extra careful. That doesn't mean that you can't have mac and cheese, you could just have a healthier version. That doesn't mean that you can't have the cabbage with the fat back, you just have to substitute the meat. That is not the answer for everybody, but we have to respect the fact that that is the answer for a lot of people. Letting go of that tradition of the sometimes high fat, high sodium african-american diet is something that we have to leave in the past and i can tell you as a baker and as a cook there are so many options out there i adjusted my menu several times for several clients so there are ways to move forward and enjoy those foods in a different way like i said that's not the answer That's not always the answer. I'm just giving you an example. Um, You know, the way we talk to our children, saying children should be seen and not heard. Well, that's way, 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 way back, you know, in the generational line. Um, I was one that was always seen but not heard but no one ever questioned why I wasn't heard right think about that no one questioned why I didn't talk or nobody questioned why I didn't voice my opinion why I was scared to speak up for myself and here we are today so we have to stop carrying that tradition forward You need to start listening to your babies from the time that they can talk, listen to what they have to say, pay attention to their feelings, pay attention to their facial expressions, pay attention to what they're not saying. You know, that is something that we need to nip in the bud. Our children need to be seen and they need to be heard so they can become better people for their generation and for their next generation and number three and i know that this one always gets a lot of flack prayers and jesus won't fix everything we have to start realizing that the need to look outside of religion and not stigmatize those who do <sighs> I want to tell you number one sidebar is that I do have plans to do an episode about faith religion and mental illness um, and I'm not sure if it'll be a one-parter or a 200 parter you know because this is something that we need to talk about more um, and it is a huge topic in the mental health community and it's a huge topic in religious communities and so we need to find a way to meet in the middle Um, I just had a conversation with well several conversations I did an interview with a youth minister I did a panel the other day with a minister and these are ministers from my generation and so they are trying to take the necessary steps to find a way to acknowledge mental illness in the church, and the religious community, and help people. You know, one of the things that I stress is that you can't, if I pour my heart out to you, don't just say, I will pray for you. Or say, you need to give it to God or you need to read verse so-and-so because that's patronizing me. That is showing me that you really aren't too concerned with what I'm really going through. I did not break a nail. I am living with an illness. And so prayer alone doesn't fix that illness Bible verses alone do not cure my illness so we need to work harder as a community to find a way to verbalize what we're feeling and have those in the religious community in the spiritual communities understand why we are the way we are, or why we react the way we are. Um, you know, my grandfather was a deacon in the church. Um, I, I always say that he ran the church. And so, you know, <clears throat> we grew up in that church, and that was that was the conversation if somebody said that they you know were sick well i'll pray for you and you know read verse so and so and that was the end of it there was no follow-up and so you know i don't know that sort of maybe works for that maybe works for physical illness, maybe, you know, um, I hope your cold goes away. I'm going to pray that your cold goes away. But if you have something more extensive than that, you know, heart disease or or lung disease or diabetes, I don't want to just pray for you. I want to pray that the medication that you have to take for your illness starts to heal you. I want to pray for the doctors that are working on you, I want to pray that their hands are blessed enough to heal you. I want to pray while I'm riding with you or driving with you to the doctor to find out why you're not feeling well. And that's the way it should be. People that don't believe... What you believe are not horrible people. They just believe something else. And they believe in taking a different road to healing. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, we really have to focus on doing what's best for ourselves and not what's best for everybody else, not what's best for optics. And so we have to stop, you know, separating ourselves according to whatever, you know, um, you can be Muslim, you could be Baptist, you could be Jewish, any Buddhist, anything, you can be anything that you want to be. But at the end of the day, what you're looking for is peace. What you're looking for is that higher power to cover you and your family what you're looking for is that higher power and help you and to help you heal your pain heal your soul heal your sickness we're all looking for the same thing we just look for them in different places and we shouldn't judge people about the places that they're looking for healing because you know bottom line is that we're all suffering you know especially during these times we're all struggling and We want to give people the freedom to seek out help. And we can't judge them and we can't ridicule them for where they go to look for help. We should support them in the fact that they took the first step to get help. You know, I always tell people that when they call in and they say, you know, I'm not going to make it through this or, you know, I don't know, just different things that they say. And I always tell them, well, look how brave you were to call today and say that you needed help. That's it that's it it's that simple you know so Buddhist prayers and Catholic prayers and Jewish prayers and Muslim prayers and Christian prayers we're all praying for healing we're all praying for love we're all praying for happiness we're all praying for peace we're all looking for that And we all need that. So let's stop giving people a hard time. (laughs) Okay. You know, um, be open. Actually, be open to the different ways that people are searching. You know, I always say that you never stop learning until the day you take your last breath. And even then, I'm sure that there is learning going on in the heavenly arches because once you stop learning you've you stop living there's always something that new that you can learn and if you listen to people from different walks of life and different behaviors you start to learn that we really are the same in some instances um i was on a panel about i believe it was domestic violence or something of that nature. And I was the only person of color on that panel. And I I was a little nervous going in because of that, because of the things that I've been through in my life and the way that the paths that I took to sort of get out of some of the things that I was in and find some healing or just find some escape from the madness. But as I was sitting there listening to everyone tell their stories, I realized that we all were abused. The bottom line is that we were all abused and that we were all victims trying to heal from the abuse. And it didn't matter what color we were. It didn't matter what the background was. We were all abused. I'm not going to, you know, lie and say that There is a difference in why that abuse lingers in some communities longer than others. But right then at that time, we were all victims of abuse trying to find peace and trying to help people find a way to heal themselves. So we have to remember that when we are having these discussions about religion and healing. So those were the suggestions from my beautiful cousin, Carmen Bird, and my amazing sister, Lynn Cotton. And that was their feedback, some of their feedback, because I can tell you that I can talk to them both for three or four hours at a time, and <laughs> there is it's a never-ending conversation. So those were the condensed versions <laughs> of their their feedback on the generational trauma episode and topic. And I want to thank them so much for number one, taking the time to listen to the episode and number two, taking the time to give feedback on it and help me with deciding what the hell do we do now? (laughs) This is not an easy task guys, especially in communities of color. We have so much shit, and I mean um, impacted shit, compacted shit. Is that what it is? Anyway, (laughs) Um, we have so many, so much stuff stuffed down in in us um, that it's it's down our toenails and beyond. Stuff that we have to just start. uh, This sounds gross, but we just have to start vomiting the the bullshit you know and just get it out of our systems and you know I don't share I share a lot with you guys I don't always share specifics but I want to share that right now my brothers and I are involved in a situation that sort of um that definitely has a lot to do with generational trauma toxic behavior generation to generation Generational curses, generational secrets, and it's painful. It's very, very painful um, when you have to. Um, it's painful to have to uncover some of the secrets um, and uncover some of the the curses. You know, healing is never, ever, ever easy. But I do think that in certain cases, had my brothers and I been more aware, or should I say made aware of some things, we would have, better, we would have been um, better prepared today. And that just opened my eyes to how we as a people have to do better because um, my pain, not all of it, didn't have to happen. Um, And even if it did happen, if I was better prepared and better cushioned, maybe I wouldn't be as broken as I am today. So if all you do is sit down with your babies and discuss the physical illnesses that are in your family, that's a start. You know, that is one of my biggest takeaways is that I think that it's time that we need to start sitting down with our children, pads and pens, journals, notebooks, and we have to start giving them the information. So that means that I will use myself as an example. I won't use anybody else as an example. That means that I suffer from severe treatment-resistant depression. Let's write that down. And here are some of the symptoms that I have. I live with fibromyalgia. Let's write down what that means. Let's write down where that comes from. Let's write down some of the symptoms of that. Because if we don't start doing that, we're going to leave holes where they didn't need to be. You know, um, I live with a mental illness and some physical illnesses, and I have some dear friends right now that are struggling with physical illnesses that they would have been better prepared for had their parents been more open and honest with them. You know, my sister said that in her house, they weren't allowed allowed to say cancer out loud it was always the c word well maybe if we said cancer out loud and discussed the different forms of cancer in our families and the different symptoms of cancer in our families then maybe some of us would still be here today you know maybe some of our generation would still be here today because they would have taken the necessary steps to heal themselves And so that's what I'm leaving you with today. Start the dialogue and follow through with the dialogue in whatever direction it goes in. Because that's the only way that we're going to heal. And that's the only way that we're going to learn. And that's the only way that we are going to break down the pains that are following us. I want to leave you with this. A cycle breaker is someone in your family who disrupts the genetic imprints, starts the healing in the family, recognizes dysfunctional behavior in themselves and changes it, takes time to understand why the people in their family are as they are, recognizes coping mechanisms that are no longer helpful, doesn't seem to fit in with the family, the black sheep, is ready to know themselves outside of the family system, recognizes unhealthy familial patterns and chooses to not repeat them. That was from Psychology, Psychotherapy Central. Be that change. Thank you for listening to Behind the Mask with the diva with depression. We are available on Podbeam, I think, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and iTunes, if it was fixed yet. <laughs> we welcome all feedback and suggestions. If there's something that you want me to discuss, if you there's something that you want me to touch on, then please, please, please feel free to reach out to me. I will always, always take the suggestions and research them and include them in our episodes. Thank you to Illumination Technology for being my tech savior. If it was not for him, um, I wouldn't be here (laughs) talking to you guys because I am a technological idiot in, in a lot of cases. So as always, I get you, I got you, and I pray that you keep fighting. Take care.